advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, Chiefs Kingdom, and welcome to this special episode of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, Voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. Tonight we're at Tomstown. Yeah. Main Street, Kansas City, Tomstown, with the theme of Boss Tom Pendergast. If you want to Google search Tom and read the books, you'll find out a fascinating figure, but this is kind of fun. little taste of Kansas City. Yeah, this is awesome. So the crossroads is my favorite part of town, I think. I love coming down here and just walking around, and this is one of those like gems in the crossroads. Yeah. Uh, the history of this place and also just the vibes are awesome. So it's so much fun to be here. You'll feel like you're in the 1930s in Kansas City when you come here to Tomstown. And by the way, the official gin uh, partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, again, if you come to Kansas City, a lot of you around the world want to come here for a pilgrimage and go to uh, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, then make sure you put Tomstown on your list when you come here. All right, the other part that we want to get into before we get into the kind of the guts of this Jaguars-Chiefs game are the patches that we're wearing. This is the annual salute to service game. Truthfully, it's my favorite regular season week of the year. Uh, the Chiefs have been the leaders in this in the National Football League in uh, doing just exactly that, saluting to service, those who have served, those who serve, and those who will serve, uh, not only in the United States, but to our allies around the world, right? A lot of the folks that are in the Chiefs' kingdom are not citizens of the U.S., but love the Chiefs. But this patch is very interesting this year. It's the 50th anniversary of Operation uh, Linebacker 1 and 2. It was the 1972 uh, air mission uh, in North Vietnam that where uh, – Derek Thomas, the great Kansas City Chiefs icon and Pro Football Hall of Famer, his father, Captain Robert Thomas, actually volunteered for the mission. He was co-piloting a uh, 52 uh, Super Fortress, and it was knocked down uh, with two surface-to-air missiles, and he lost his life. But this patch commemorates so many things involved with Operation Linebacker 1 and 2 and the lives of both Derek Thomas and his father, Captain Robert Thomas. Yeah, it's so cool. And every year for Salute to Service Month, we have a different patch that the guys wear on their warm-ups that we get to wear on our hoodies and everything, and it honors something. And this year, with it being about DT and his dad, it's just so much even more special, I think. But uh, we obviously love football. Everyone in Chiefs Kingdom loves football, and that's what we're all here to talk about. But without our men and women in the line of duty who put their lives on the line every single day for us, we wouldn't get to do anything any of this and they defend our freedoms every single day they defend people that they will never meet every single day and they do it because it's the right thing to do so uh, we thank everyone in our armed forces and uh, we're honoring you uh, with this podcast and all month long uh, with uh, patches like this and all of our gear yep it's uh, awesome the camouflage part of the patch charcoal one was the b-52 super fortress that uh, captain thomas was flying that day so that's the uh, colors on the patch we do so many awesome things uh, I remember 2018, we have so many European um, de kingdom defenders that watch and listen to us on Defending the Kingdom. Uh, it was the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, and the Chiefs were actually playing the Cardinals on that day uh, to the day, 100 years later, November 11th in 2018. And we in the stadium played 21 bells, just like they did throughout Europe uh, the day that, that uh, the armistice was um, uh, final on the 11th era, the 11th day of the 11th month. But I just remember the moment where all the Chiefs players and all the Arizona Cardinals players just stopped yeah. as those bells played. And it just gave me an indication of how much the Chiefs organization values what you just said and uh, is a conduit for 
think beyond football to bigger things. Yeah, that day was so special. I remember that. And you think about how we still remember those people and we understand what they did for us and to make America what it is today. We, we remember that 100 years later. And for you know, Chiefs players and Cardinals players, obviously they're going to go on the field and compete against one another. But for them to stop and recognize that and for everyone in the stadium to stop and add that, have that perspective, it was very cool to be a part of. And every single year uh, we do this. And with this particular patch, with it being the Derek Thomas connection with his dad, uh, it's just really amazing stuff. So uh, it should be a really amazing event at GEHA Field, the Arrowhead Stadium uh, on Sunday. Uh, if you're going to come to the game, make sure you stay in your seats at halftime. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And when you come to GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium on your pilgrimage from around the world, you Kingdom Defenders, also put the National World War One Museum oh, on yeah. your list and then come here to Tomstown, uh, and you'll be checking off two things you need to do when you come here. All right. Speaking of checking the list, let's check the list. Let's go around the world with our Kingdom Defenders and de- on defending the kingdom. Yeah, what a segue. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I have 14 today. People around the world listening to DTK. So we have DW in Tucson, Arizona, a 20-year veteran of the Air Force. It's our first one. We have Nick in Jacksonville reporting from behind enemy lines, uh, originally from Shawnee, Kansas. His two-year-old son, Rivers, often says, Go Chiefs, but it sounds like goat cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Made me laugh. Uh, We've got Zoran from Croatia, Rob from Seoul, South Korea, Penny in Calhoun, Missouri, Uh, Mark was listening in Tennessee last week, so reporting from behind enemy lines. Uh, Wilson is in Jamestown, New York, just south of Buffalo. Uh, Trevor's in Pensacola, Florida, but originally from Columbia, Missouri. Summer is in Joplin, Missouri. Gary is in Springfield, Missouri. Always have to get someone from Springfield on here. Every week. Yep. Uh, Dwight's listening in Jamaica. Alice is in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Go Gorillas. Uh, Jordy is in Waterloo, Iowa. And remember the listener that I met at the zoo a little while ago? Didn't get his name, though. Well, I followed up with him. His name is Benny. So shout out to Benny. I met him at the zoo. All right. All right, here come the Jaguars. And just like I think this also goes in line with uh, our salute to service this weekend because the women and men who serve, uh, not just in the United States Armed Forces, but with our allies around the world, have to be ready. They just prepare every day for readiness. And so our theme with this Jaguars game, and Matt, you and I were talking earlier today, is to be ready. Yep. Because you and I both agree, as we started to do the deep dive into this Jacksonville team, we both had the same impression. You better appreciate and respect this opponent and be ready, or you could pay the price. If you do not watch the Jaguars often, you might look at their record and the recent history and assume that they are not very good and that the Chiefs should roll in this game. Those notions about them, if you do not watch them often, are most likely misguided. Because when we dug into this team, I think you and I were both surprised with what we saw. Uh, Really on both sides of the ball, this is a team that has a ton of young talent. Mm -hmm. And they're young, so they don't always put it together in the end with a victory. But they are tough throughout. They have, what, six losses this season? All of them by one score. This isn't a team that's been rolled over a whole bunch of times and they get blown out. No, they're in almost every game until the end. They're some of the fastest starters in the NFL. Their splits in terms of quarters are really interesting. Um, (laughs) They're one of the best teams in the NFL in the first and third quarter. They're plus 63 in point differential, but they just struggle to finish. In the second and fourth quarters, they're minus 42. But they have the third largest first quarter uh, scoring margin in the NFL. So they're a good team. 
that doesn't quite put it all together at times. They're inconsistent, but they're very talented, and this will not be an easy one for the Chiefs. The Chiefs need to make sure they go into this game knowing that they're going to get a really good shot from a very young, talented team. And, Matt, I'm going to get into this just a little bit. There could be a slip and surge in the AFC South. With Tennessee, the injuries to, to Ryan Tannehill, we'll see how that goes. But this is a Jaguars team that could get hot. And if the Titans slip, this could be the team to surge. And uh, there's some thought even coming out of Jacksonville. Smoot, I know, mentioned it. Hey, if we get hot, we could be a playoff team. So Jacksonville's sensing that. Uh, but let me just say this about Patrick Mahomes first. I saw this this afternoon just before we went on. Patrick Mahomes has won 23 straight <laughs> games in November and December. This is ridiculous. It is an all-time NFL record. 43 straight starts in November and December since 2019 by Patrick Mahomes. No one in the league has done that. Yeah. And so that's one thing to help you get ready is just put 15 on the field. So the late Therese Paler, of course, with the Casey Star and Yahoo Sports, one of the best sports writers of all time, in my yeah. opinion. I shadowed him when I was in eighth grade, and he was covering the Casey Brigade for the Casey Star way back in the day. And he was always just the kindest, most amazing guy. Uh, may he rest in peace. But one thing he used to always say about Patrick Mahomes in games like what we saw on Sunday is that that's an over-my-dead-body game for Patrick Mahomes. And under no circumstances is he going to lose this game. Yeah, nothing has gone right. Yeah, the offense has punted like seven consecutive times. Patrick Mahomes doesn't care. If there's time on the clock, he's going to try to find a way. And that's what we saw on that scoring drive that tied the game for the Chiefs. Third and 17, he scrambles for 20 yards. Third and nine in the red zone, he scrambles for a 14-yard touchdown. And then on the two-point conversion try, uh, we got a few redos because of penalties and everything. He then scrambles for the two-point conversion Ties the game for the Chiefs with only a couple minutes left. The Chiefs end up winning it in overtime. But that's the kind of game that separates a team that has a guy like Patrick Mahomes from other really good teams. Because I remember thinking about it for just years as a Chiefs fan. You see quarterbacks like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. You're like, man, those guys have that guy. And that guy finds a way. We are so fortunate that we have that guy. Absolutely. And we have the other guy, Travis Kelsey. Those two together have more yards in a five-season span than any quarterback tight end duo in NFL history in a five-year span. All right, let's jump into the be ready part of this. And to me, who jumps off the page with this Jaguar team where they've really changed is Travis Etienne, the great uh, running back out of Clemson who was Trevor Lawrence's teammate there. Last year had the Liz Frank injury and missed all of 2021. He was slow in becoming a starter. Doug Peterson slowed him into that RB1 role. But since he's been there, 469 yards for Etienne. That is a Jaguar record uh, in that span of since becoming a starter since week four. To me, he's the game changer. We'll talk about Trevor Lawrence here in a second. But ETN makes this team way different than they've been in the last year and a half. He's another example of a guy that when we kind of dug into the, the Jags, it's like I didn't realize Travis Etienne was having such a great season. Mm. Like I know he's a first-round pick. I know that he missed last year, and uh, this is basically his rookie season. I know he's a good player, but when you see what he's been doing lately, it's like, oh, man, like he's really coming on strong. I mean, 854 yards from scrimmage this season, and he's dynamic. 680 of those are rushing. 174 of those are receiving. Uh, that total is 11th uh, best in the NFL, and he's accounted for 25% of the Jaguar 
Jaguars offense this year in terms of scrimmage yards, consider that he didn't really play a whole lot early on this season. That's really impressive. He has five straight games with at least 100 yards from scrimmage, and in that span, he's third in the NFL in scrimmage yards behind only Tyree Kill and Alvin Kamara. So that gets your attention, right? He's in that category right now of player. Uh, and for the Chiefs, this is the guy they have to make sure they contain in this game because I'm assuming the Jags, that for them coming into this, they're thinking they're going to feed ETN over and over again, both on the ground and through the air. That's the number one priority for the Chiefs is containing this guy on this Jags offense. He also provides a big play threat for them. I know you're going to get into the 20-plus plays. It's really interesting how many they have and their red zone trips. Uh, so their <laughs> offensive productivity will surprise you. But ETN has six runs of 20 yards or more. Keep in mind, he didn't really become the RB1 until week four. He has six runs of 20 yards or more. That's third in the NFL. Number one is Nick Chubb of Cleveland. Number two is Derrick Henry of Tennessee. Number three is Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have 12 20-plus runs. That's second only to Cleveland. So the Chiefs have to be ready and account for that big time, or it could be an interesting day. Yeah, they definitely do. And you alluded to it, like how a lot of their offensive numbers are really good. This is something else that jumped off the page to me. They have the most first downs in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the most first downs in the NFL. You would never guess that, but they do. They have 203 first downs. It's most in the league. They have 121 plays of 10 or more yards this year. That's tied with the Chiefs for the third most in the AFC. And they have the most red zone drives in the NFL with 34. They're actually tied with the Chiefs on that one as well. What's the difference? Why are they only scoring 22.2 points per game? There's a couple of reasons, but red zone is part of that. So they're in the red zone a lot, right? But they're only scoring touchdowns at a 53% clip. That's 21st in the NFL. By contrast, the Chiefs are at 74%, which is second in the NFL behind only Tennessee. And Tennessee's is kind of cheating because they have way <laughs> less red zone drives <laughs> than the Chiefs do. Uh, but Kansas City's converting red zone trips into touchdowns traditionally. Didn't really do it against Tennessee, but on, over the course of the season, they are. The Jaguars really are not, and they have four red zone giveaways this season. That's tied for the most in the NFL, and 13 uh, turnovers overall as a team. That is number six in the league. But this team can move the football, and they're the kind of team that doesn't really struggle offensively throughout the game. They struggle when they get down into the red area. But those kind of teams are dangerous because it only takes a few plays to turn those red zone numbers around. So for the Chiefs defensively, coming off a great game against Tennessee, particularly in the second half, Got to make sure you take these guys seriously because all year long they're moving the ball honestly better than most teams. Trevor Lawrence, we can discuss him here. We know he's a terrific talent. He's been up and down. You mentioned the red zone turnovers. It's been turnovers for him, and I know Doug Peterson's bringing him along uh, as he goes here. And last year was a disaster for this franchise until the end when they pulled off some of the biggest upsets of the year. But Lawrence threw 17 interceptions last year in his rookie year. That tied for the NFL lead. This year – he has six interceptions, and he's lost five fumbles. There's your four red zone turnovers. He has 11 giveaways, Trevor Lawrence. That is the most of any human being in 2022 in the National Football League. Yeah, consistency is really the thing with him. You can clearly see at times why he was the number one overall pick a couple years ago and one of those guys that everyone said would be a slam dunk. Like, a talent is obvious, but he's just not consistent right now in his career, and that's happened this season. He's been really good sometimes. He has four games this season with a passer rating north of 109, but also four games with a passer rating south of 76. Now, passer rating is a flawed stat, but you get the idea. Like, he struggled mightily sometimes and then been really good other times. 
with him, when he's really good, it's when he's getting rid of the football quickly. When he holds on to the ball, that's where he struggles. Um, at 2.5 seconds is kind of like that benchmark. When he holds on to the football for longer than 2.5 seconds, he's completing just 50% of his passes, only four touchdowns, four interceptions. But when he gets rid of the ball before then, in faster than 2.5 seconds, he's completing 75% of his passes for seven touchdowns and two interceptions. He really struggles under pressure. That kind of factors into this as well. If you look at pro football focus grades, which I know sometimes we don't know how we feel about those, but in this case, it kind of makes sense. There's been 26 quarterbacks this season that have dropped back at least 200 times. They grade him as the worst in the NFL among those when under pressure. So I think defensively for the Chiefs, the two most important things, got to make sure you cover his first read when he's throwing the football. Don't let him get the ball out quickly uh, and have that offense be in rhythm. And if that first read is covered, create pressure on him. And odds are this season, he'll throw the football your way. He'll make a mistake. He's still going to make some great plays in this game. Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. But that consistency has been a problem so far this year. And if you can get pressure on him, that's where he really struggles. Again, we're at Tomstown on Main Street in Kansas City in the Crossroads area, but a historic place. Uh, you can dive right into the 1920s and 1930s when you visit Kansas City and come to Tomstown, uh, again, the official gin partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Defensively, let's touch on this before we close the show out. Uh, and they've got some dudes here now. I mean, Trevon Walker goes off the board first in the 2022 draft, and not long uh, after that, Devin Lloyd came. These are two dynamic linebackers. They remind me a little bit of the Tampa Bay linebackers that were playing at that level in Super Bowl 55 against the Chiefs when you think of a Devin White. Yeah, guys that have great size but also incredible speed, like they shouldn't be that fast for as big as they are. Uh, they got some playmakers on defense. And overall, I mean, this is the number 11 scoring defense in the NFL. They're allowing 19.8 points per game. It's pretty good. Uh, they've held opponents under 24 points in six of their last uh, eight games. They're middle of the pack in a lot of categories, but they have struggled with the big play at times this year. Uh, they've allowed 124 plays of double-digit yardage. That's fifth most in the NFL. And even though they have all this talent, at times they struggle to get off the field. They don't often get the opposition behind the sticks with, like, sacks and stuff like that. They're kind of middle of the pack in those areas as well. But they've allowed 19 drives of 10 or more plays. That's third most in the NFL. Defense gets tired after a while, and then all of a sudden uh, they get beat over the top for a big touchdown. They've lost so many close games. I have a feeling that when the defense is on the field too much at times, that's kind of where these things slip away for them. Kind of saw that against the Broncos a few weeks ago. Last week we saw one of the more underrated defenders in the National Football League in Simmons with the Tennessee Titans. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen of the NFL that plays for these guys. You mentioned pressures. They haven't had a bunch of those, but Josh Allen does. He's got 31 pressures. He's got 94% of the Jaguar pressures, but you have to account for Josh Allen or you could have a long day. Yeah, 12 quarterback hits for Josh Allen as well. I mean, he's a monster. Dewan Smoot is coming on lately for them. He has five sacks this year and three and a half in his last two he's games. He's the tricky one. Yeah. He's the, he's the, he'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been good lately for them. And they have other guys like Arden Key, pretty good player. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting with these guys is even though they have all this talent, missed tackles has been a problem for them. They have 99 missed tackles this season. That's most in the NFL. They have four players with 10 or more missed tackles uh, this season. And the Chiefs have the most yards after the catch of any team in the NFL. So that's one area to watch in this game. If the Jags are missing some tackles uh, at times and the Chiefs are on offense and the Chiefs can turn a five-yard gain into a 15-yard gain, that's where the Jags have lost games defensively. And frankly, that's where the Chiefs have won a bunch of games this season. Missed tackles are often the indicator of a defense that is young and still growing, yeah. but is talented. 
that can change at any time. But at least so far, the Jaguars have struggled in that area. Yeah, I think slip and surge here if you're going to follow the AFC South over the next eight weeks. One of the guys I want to mention here is Foya Luakon. Uh, we have a lot of St. Louis Kingdom defenders, right? He played at John Burroughs High School with Zeke Elliott, a St. Louis native, but he's been a very good player. He was with uh, Atlanta, had a big game against the Chiefs. In fact, a 51-yard interception against the Chiefs in the COVID year of 2020, but he's a really good sneaky defender for Jacksonville. So let's close this way. Uh, again, we're at Tomstown. When you come to Kansas City or if you're in the Chiefs Kingdom, this is a must-visit uh, to come here and have an evening out, date night, visit with some friends and be here but you'll feel like you're uh, traveling back in time it's wonderful <laughs> I love the history of this place but Doug Peterson came to Kansas City with Andy Reid when the Chiefs were two and 14 and at the bottom of the NFL I said algae at the bottom of the ocean phytoplankton <laughs> Doug walked into a difficult situation in Jacksonville let's just call it what it was it was a mess it was a mess with the young team but you already see what Doug did in Kansas City helping coach Reid get off to that great start in 2013. Now, it's not a 9-0 start, but if there's a slip and surge here uh, in the AFC South with the Titans getting replaced here a little bit or challenged by the Jaguars, to me it's that Doug Peterson knows how to do reclamation projects, and he's got Press Taylor with him, who I respect. Mike Caldwell's a D.C. This is an organization to keep an eye on, and it's mainly because Doug's, Doug Peterson is there and he's got some young talent. Yeah, sports and football in particular – are so contingent on culture. Culture is so important for any team sport. In the NFL, that's certainly the case. And I think the comparison you made between the 2013 Chiefs and this year's Jacksonville Jaguars is so accurate because that Chiefs team in 2012 had so much talent. I think they had six Pro Bowlers yeah. on that team, but yet they won just two games. The culture wasn't there. Coach Reed comes in with Doug Peterson as offensive coordinator. Immediately the culture changes, immediately. And we're still enjoying uh, that culture here today that he laid the foundation for way back then. For the Jags, of course they want to win this season, but they're thinking down the road. They're thinking, what kind of culture can we build that we can enjoy for the next five to ten years? And Doug, in his press conference, I think it was yesterday, even mentioned this, like, uh, of course I'm focused on the wins, but I'm focused on how we're also playing in these games. Are we fighting throughout? Are we trying to find a way in the end? Are we in it at the very end? And the answer for them this season is yes, they're in all of these games. That's why this isn't an easy team. This isn't an easy win for the Chiefs by any means because this team is young and fighting and establishing a culture, and they have nothing to lose. And when you're really talented and you have nothing to lose, that makes you dangerous. That's what we saw even last season late against the Colts when they beat the Colts and kept them out of the playoffs. So this uh, Jags team is going to be a lot of fun, like you mentioned, to watch uh, in years to come because they're very talented. I think they're trending in the right direction. And as we've seen with Doug, he can help build the winner. So uh, it'll be tough. The good news is Coach Reed, though, traditionally beats his pupils yeah. in these games. Uh, hopefully he adds to that record here on Sunday. Yeah, they also beat the Bills last year 9-6 to in one of the craziest, the biggest upset of the whole year, and that allowed the Chiefs to play the Bills at home. And Josh Allen sacked Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. That yeah. was so cool. <laughs> Another, I invited boss Tom Pendergast to come tonight. He didn't make it, nor did Harry Truman. How rude. Well, I know. Well, boss Tom helped Harry climb up the political ladder. I invited H. Rowe Bartle, the old mayor of Kansas City, who promised Lamar Hunt all those season tickets to get the Dallas Texans here. Yeah. I invited all those guys. Nobody showed up. But Tough. I'm here. You're here. Well, that's what matters, man. <laughs> uh, it's all that youth. It's all that youthful talent. Oh, yeah. Uh, but when you come to Kansas City, make sure you visit Tomstown. Uh, again, on Main Street in the Crossroads area, hey, you can take the streetcar. I'll drop you off right here. You will have an outstanding evening. Also, go to the National War One Museum. Remember, this week is Salute to Service at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, as we remember uh, the late uh, Captain Robert Thomas in particular 
and the Vietnam veterans who many times don't get uh, the uh, honor and recognition that they deserve. He's Matt McMullen, senior team reporter. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. Chiefs kingdom, kingdom defenders, be ready. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.